see. Welcome to the Green Antler Waterfowl Podcast. Today is October 22nd, and I'm really excited because I have a really important guest. Uh, today we have Mayor Joanne Vander Hayden, and she is from Strathroy Caradoc, but also the president of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you very, very much, Sarah. And I just need to say right off the top, I'm coming to you from the Longwoods uh, Territory, Treaty 20th Territory in southwestern Ontario. Thank you, because I always, I always, when I go back to Ontario, I don't always know whose land I am on there, um, because there's the, the, the six, the, the six nations, right? And and here in Tassis, it's the Mauchit uh, uh territory that we are on in Tassis. But um, there is a lot of uh, things to say about, you know, um, the land and the water and the things that give us sustenance and, and how we need to try to make, you know, inroads with the people who were here before and also with the people who will come after us, right? So that's... Absolutely. We're grateful for, for the land that they took care of for so long. Yeah. Well, and, and just how... And like still are. <laughs> yeah. And how amazing... Like, that's like the sort of the respect respect and appreciation part of it, right? You know, where uh, by knowing, like, the languages and the, the tribal names and the stories, right? Like, uh, just last night we had a, a tsunami talk because there's been new mapping done because we're on the West Coast here. And so that's the ring of fire, right? And, um, uh, you know... There, some of the last sort of stories, oral to oral tales from the First Nations, are all that we have with respect to piecing together the last time there was the big win, you know, the big wave, the big earthquake, and and so that is, you know, I as a po- amateur podcaster now, I really value, uh, you know, oral stories and like the ways that we tell ourselves who we are. And uh, so I'm just the most interesting way of telling stories. It really is like it's personal. It's it's very personal. Where you you talk about tsunamis there, we don't have to talk about that here because I live in, in pretty much landlocked area here in southwestern Ontario. But we have a lot of tornadoes, so and lots of snow. So yeah, I guess you know we all get our little piece, and that's what makes Canada so absolutely unique. Uh, coast to coast to coast, we have the most amazing country with the most amazing features. You know, between the the, the oceans and the, and the the true north and the, the, the mountains and then the prairies. Like, I mean, you can go for, for, for miles, or I guess you say kilometers now, and <laughs> see the most amazing farmlands and, and, you know, the forests. Oh, my goodness. Like, just right now, we're in southwestern Ontario with all the leaves turning, and it's, like, amazingly beautiful. So, and all the water we have, we are just so fortunate to live in this country. It's true. It's an amazing um, stretch, right? You know, like, the whole... The runs the gamut of like everything there's even deserts right you know <laughs> and and I think that like like I was able to go to Rock Glen I don't know if that's inside or outside your boundary but it's just um, outside of Middlesex County but that's all right I know exactly where you're you know what I'm talking about and you know how amazing it is because as a child I went there and then I brought my kids there this summer with my sister and you know to find something that is sort of pre-colonial this like creature that got hardened up into a rock and is a fossil now and is like a I don't even know the names of them anymore trilobites or something like that you know <laughs> uh, 
you know, Don't but, test me on that neither. I yeah, can't give you those It's answers. like a shell, I guess, you know? <laughs> it looks like a shell, and it is like, you know, for to see my kids, like, dig through the muck and, and hold this thing in their hand, and for them to understand that this is an old land, you know? And this is... It's like revealing its secrets to us, right? You know, so that was a really, and also just the way that that area has been managed for however long. So when I was a kid, it was pretty much the same in the sense that it was left the way that it is. And it's sort of a drainage and it's been managed by the Conservation Society uh, or like the sort of nonprofit group that makes it accessible to people by putting in a stairway there, right? So um, I guess my first sort of question is, how did you get into politics? That's always the question, right? And uh, I, I can tell you, Sarah, that uh, I really, you know, didn't think about leadership until I got to high school. And then I really, I, I really grew as a person and I, I was given all kinds of opportunities. I had a mentor there, and one of the teachers who just uh, was just amazing to make me feel like I could do anything. And I never had that feeling before. So I kind of ran with that and I had my first political speech, I guess you could call it, when I ran for the Girls Athletic Association presidency in grade 13. And I got the position and I uh, I just had a ball with all of that. And I was on a student council throughout the, my whole high school career. So, you know, I wasn't on the debate team. I, if you'd have told me in high school I'd be mayor someday, I would ask you, what are you smoking? I don't think so. Like that was not on my agenda whatsoever. But um, I went to Western and uh, then I got married, had kids, and I, I thought, well, my dad, we're immigrant families. I was born in Canada, but my parents were from the Netherlands. And my dad always said, give back to the community that gave us opportunity. And that always resonates with me still to this day. He was a Lions Club member. He was a volunteer firefighter. He started a cookie factory, which 70 years later is still running and employing people. So, you know, give back to where you have opportunity. And so that always stuck with me. And I said, okay, why don't I just... Uh, Try for the Recreation Services Board in the town. I'll put my name in for that committee because that's what my degree is in, because that's kinesiology. Maybe I can offer something. So I did that for a term, and then there was an election for um, for council, and I just said, hey, rec board is easy. Why don't I try? I didn't even think about it that hard. Like, I should have thought about it a little bit harder, but I just <laughs> went, oh, I think I'll run. And so I did, and there was, like, a great number of people running. And you can imagine the first all candidates like how the you know the butterflies in your stomach. You're all ready. You wrote your speech. You think you're gonna do all okay. You practiced it. My name is Vanderhaven. I'm the last speaker of the evening. This is all done alphabetically. <laughs> the entire room was comatose by the time I got to speak. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how, where this came from in my brain, but also at the very end, I said, "Whatever you do, vote. It's your democratic right, but it's a privilege. Just don't do it in alphabetical order." And I came in second. <laughs> so there's my little story, and that's the true story. Yeah. So uh, no, and ever since then, I've um, I've been in politics. Yeah. Well, and coming in second is, you know, like. I'm the deputy mayor in my town, um, maybe just because I'm the one that's willing to stretch, you know, and, and, and go the distance. But I remember when I had the first all candidates meeting and I didn't really even have the confidence to vote for myself. Right. You know, like I, I was a candidate and I did my speech and then at the polls I marked someone else's name because I was like, you you're, know, you're, you're kidding me. Well, and, but this is like part of like the, the growth story, right? You know, like highlighting my mistakes and, and, and knowing that like the second time I ran 
I did vote for myself and I did get in, you know, and, and, and I maybe had the least amount of votes that was actually on the council table, right? Like I was the last person who was in and, um, but you know, like that's the thing about like sort of balancing our lives, right? Like I, my first, uh, time I ran for council, I was pregnant. And so I was like worried about my time constraints, right? You know, and, and there is no real job description in a way, you know, for, what this job entails, right? So it's like drinking from a fire hose when you get there. You go, what? What am I all responsible for? And you know, it's really difficult to find that confidence. So I, I get what you're saying. Because yeah. for women, I believe it's really hard for us to get our confidence. And I don't know why that is. Because we have amazing skills that we can bring to the table. And yet, you know, we all have that. Oh, am I going to do it right? Am I going to say it right? Am I going to like, you know, like it's 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 um it's too bad because we do have so much we bring to the table. It's part of the sort of conditioning that we just like, you know, like defer to somebody who's more sure of themselves, right? Because confidence is a part of things, right? Like if you don't believe it, if you don't believe that you can win and you can do a good job, then you probably won't, right? You know, because you really have to like, and that's the thing about making speeches too, right? Like you can practice it a lot, but until you feel like, um, you know, it's, it's really like speaking from the heart or something like, like it's like ingrained into you, then it's, it sort of can fall flat or, you know, if you're, if you're last and people are tired or, you know, there's a hundred reasons why it could go south and only run one perfect 10, right? You know, so I don't know. I know that my kid too, she's in fourth grade and she's running for her class rep and I'm just, just so brimming and proud and, you know, like also, but like it, it doesn't matter if we win or lose, right? You know, like I'm sort of like, cause there's not a lot of, uh, the the talent pool is small here. So it's easy to have like a, a position, um, but still it's just like, talk about what you care about, you know? Like, so after we're done with this, I'm gonna coach her on her speech and, and just try to get her to really identify what matters most to her, right? Cause then, even if you don't win, you know that you did your best, right? You know, and I am. Um, the next question I have for you is what advice do you have for someone starting out? That's a really good question. You know, it's, um, I, I, I'm, uh, what advice can I give people? And I, I often think of that. What can I offer people that would be resonate with them? And I, I would say a number of things. One, always be yourself. You are who you are. You don't need to put on airs. You don't have to be, you are who you are. Always do your homework. If you're in a position and you say you're gonna do the work, do the work. It is so obvious when people don't do their homework. And it's not fair to the residents that we represent. So always do that. Participate. Don't just sit back. And I know I've had many counselors, female and male, say, well, I'm just gonna sit back the first year and listen. Then why are you here? You, 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 you need to listen and learn, but you also need to participate. So always participate, ask questions, but also listen to what everyone else is saying. Don't, don't pretend that you know it all and, and you've got the answer and that's where it's going to be because we have to learn from each other. So that's, that's really important. Um, uh, what else can I say that, that would be... You know, in school, when you're in grade school, and I just thought of that when you were talking about your, your daughter, your very first teacher puts you into a box. It's called a file. This is what she or he saw from you that year, and this is now who you are. 
the next teacher gets that file. Oh, they're good at math, they're not good at this. So suddenly they already think that you're not good at math and you're good at sports. The next teacher gets that. Oh, they slipped in their math, but they're good at English now. So maybe, you know, like they, they it's not what I think I'm good at. It's what they think you're good at. And I always thought, you know, there's 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 some kids that were really smart, you know, the trip that the eight they all got straight A's. Yeah. And then you had the athletics. And then you had the people like me that are in the middle of the class. And we, we sort of get pushed forward because we're okay. We don't need extra help. We don't really need any guidance. We just so you're kind of on your own. And that's not fair either, because we all need guidance when we're in grade school. But we also need to break out of that box. Do not let people keep you in that box because nobody else gets to tell you who you are. And nobody gets to say, you will never get your degree. You should get into this job because you're not able to do that. How dare they? How yeah. dare they? Well, and that's like how sometimes other people's expectations on us color what we think we can do. Right? You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, I... I would say that that starts before you get to school. It starts at home with your parents, right? You know, I mean, I definitely, you know, um, am imprinting on my children in that sense. And I've been, you know, sort of like programmed to by like my upbringing and by my, you know, genetics, right? Like what it is I think I can do is sort of determined by the, the inner dialogue, right? Um. I know that we are short on time because uh, I talk too much. Um, when is the best time to mentor or recruit or train the next generation of municipal leaders? Right in grade school. <laughs> Give every child opportunity to lead a project. Give every child the opportunity to, to be the boss for the day. Give every child the opportunity to be teacher for half an hour in a subject of their choice so they feel comfortable. So that way they're, they're leading without even knowing they're leading. It's fun for them at that point. Give them all opportunity. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm honored to be able to mentor a young woman from Western right now. She's a first-year student. I'm honored to talk to women uh, all the time um, that are young and inspiring. They don't know which, which way they want to go yet. But I always say, you know, if you want to talk, just tell me what you're interested in. And, you know, if I can help guide you one way that you're wanting to go in and open a door for you, I've done my job. Because they're, they're so bright and they are so incredible. Next generation coming up, it is, it is amazing that you even get to speak with them and, and, and hear from them and learn from them as well. So I would start in grade school and keep it going all the way through. Yeah, well, and I, like, um, this is my second year in a row trying to get my council to have, like, the can will or the towards parody or the run win lead and, and, like, sort of just encouraging young uh, women or underrepresented groups to seek leadership and to seek, uh, you know, seats on the political table because, you know, because having different kinds of voices and voices that are sometimes maybe not there, um, you know, or like also that people who have barriers and then other people who don't even know that those barriers exist, right? You know, so that's yeah. maybe, you know. Uh, we got to get out of our own way too. I, I try to learn to do that. <laughs> Um, my, what inspires you most on your political journey? Well, I think there's people that have inspired me along my, people, uh, along my journey. And one of them is, um, a counselor that I sat with at Middlesex County Council for a long time. His name was Doug Raycraft. He was an MP at one point. He was a mayor. He was, uh, he's still around. He's just retired. 
He was the warden at one point, and I've watched him and learned from him. And the things that I spoke about earlier, listening, doing your homework, being um, question question things, and, and and find out what you know what's what's the best way to go. I learned that from him, and I was I really respected him as an individual, and he really um, respected me as well, and, and helped me become the first woman warden of the county. That that kind of thing. So you know, I've I've had opportunities and. And I've taken a lot of opportunities, but you know, he really mentored me along. And of course, my high school teacher, who gave me that first "go ahead, do whatever you want" because you can. Because mm-hmm. you can, and and because it's it it's benefits from having a diverse net, right? You know, I know that um, I was in a thing yesterday with youth and uh, mainly women, and then somebody was unmuted and they were talking to someone about putting laundry in the laundry machine, and then there was sort of this like oh, well, let's mute that person. But isn't it so funny that that's some of our roles too is sort that's of- That's like, our reality. Well, and then sort of like economics comes from home economics, comes from the hearth, comes from, you know, like there's a lot to be said about like having the things that you need to do what you need to do, right? So I've got two other questions that are the, the, the five question. <clears throat> this one's a, a heavy one. And then the, the, the other one is sort of more choose your own adventure. Um, why do large urban mayor's caucus meet from across the country, but rural and remote municipalities who often have similar challenges, like in our case, financing a fire hall with smaller population, have a more part-time approach to local government? Wow, that, that's a great question, too. Um, you know, through FCM, and that's that's where I work through right now, so I can, I can talk about municipalities that are big or small have really the opportunity to meet, to collaborate and share best practices like year-round. We have uh, opportunities to listen to one another and learn from one another. We come together to work on those issues. We come together to uh, lobby, advocate for local communities and with with the other orders of government. So I think that that is a positive. You know, um, we're, we're very able to convene and unite diverse local expertise and groups and and that's from all parts of the country whether you're a big community or a small community we can help build those bridges that that connect us all we do a lot of work with the rural lens so we do work that that uh, very very strongly we have a rural committee that our rural forum that meets um, we have the big cities that meet they do they do some of their own thing but they also the, the chair of the big city mayor sits on our uh, executive and, and on our council or are on our board so you know there are the synergies and I mean let's face it big cities get a lot of attention because they're big cities and they have a lot of people um, smaller communities though have the same issues only on a different scale so by working together and that's where I'm so proud of our work at FCM we can get the job done by making sure we collaborate and work together and bring those issues to the other levels of government especially the federal government together mm-hmm well, but in, in a way, sometimes they have sort of a po like many cities will have more than one fire department, right? You know, or more than sort of like, so there's the, the power in numbers, right? And then sort of the opposite is true because when you don't have the numbers, it's sort of you don't have the power. And, and I think it, that... It's, it's also capacity, right? Oh, big time. Huge. That's yeah, like a so, huge... So, you know, I, I got to your question... I think we all work really well together at FCM, and, and um, I, I prefer to say that we, we have a lens on, on every piece of the puzzle, and we get those pieces put together by working together and collaborating. Yeah, oh, and, and 
And that's right, because we, we do want to understand the things that we don't understand that are sort of on the other side of the coin for us. And so the last thing that I have, is there anything you'd like to talk about uh, with respect to the process of Strathbury Caradoc uh, and to become the, the president of the FCM? Well, the way, the way you become president of FCM is, is you, first of all, have to get on the board. So when Doug Raycraft, who's the gentleman I mentioned earlier, he was on FCM on behalf of Middlesex County, and then he uh, um, was no longer in elected office, so then some the opportunity came there for someone else to do that job. And I thought, well, I, so I asked for the nomination for Middlesex County. So then if you get that nomination, then you throw your papers in, and then you have to go to the next conference, and you have to go to the Ontario caucus meeting and do a speech. You need to um, convince everyone that you're the right person for the job and have them vote for you. So it's another election. So we're mm-hmm. getting used to these elections, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you get on the caucus. So then you're on the board. And then uh, I also took the opportunity when um, the third uh, vice presidency came vacant. And it's, um, I don't know, you, you know how FCM works, where there's five table officers, one from the East Coast, one from the West Coast, one from Ontario, one from Quebec, and one from the provinces and territories. So when that, and they rotate through. So, you know, every five years, it's, it's Ontario's turn, et cetera. So that opportunity came forward. So I put my nomination papers in for that. And um, thankfully, I got the respect and the, the uh, opportunity from my fellow colleagues around the table. And that's how I became the chair. But I really believe, Sarah, that throughout your political career, it's not just about your community. And if I'm the mayor in my community and I sit in this chair all day long and I wait for things to happen, they're not going to happen. So I need to go out there and I have to learn everything I can every single day as long as I'm in office. And by, by going to be involved with other organizations such as community living, I'm all for inclusive community. So I was president of the community living organization here in town for a couple of, like six years or something. So I learned from the people what the needs are. I also got um, had the opportunity to be on the Ontario Good Roads Association. I didn't know anything about roads. I'm not an engineer, but that's part of my responsibility as mayor and as a councillor to make decisions that, that are in that wheel well. So, wheel well, there you go. There's Wheelhouse, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, I got involved with them. They asked me to be on their board. First, I thought, I don't just want to be a bum in the seat. I don't know anything. Why would you want me there? And I said, no, you're, you're exactly the kind of person we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I thought about it and I said, okay. Well, I learned so much and it was amazing. The people I got to meet, I became president of that organization. So it was it was a great opportunity. I'm representing all of Ontario on a topic that I knew nothing about, but managed to learn about. So, so there's all those opportunities. Um, Western University, that's my that's where I graduated from. I was on the Board of Governors for, for eight years. You want another whole scope of, of learning. That that was another whole opportunity. Um, so again, lots of opportunities. I was chair of the Middlesex London Health Unit. Wow. You learn about that. And and I don't know, I just keep looking for the opportunities to be on those boards. But I also don't sit back and not take responsibility for my role on a board. And hence the opportunity to be president or chair or, or you know, a lead. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that makes you a better, stronger mayor, better, stronger counselor. Uh, and um, again, great opportunities. I have a great community here. Strathford Caradoc is a wonderful community. This is where I was born and raised. I've never lived anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I have six brothers and sisters. We all live here. I said, could someone move somewhere exotic so I could visit? Seriously, we're all here. <laughs> but you know what? It is, it is again, um, this is where we're family. This is where we have 
um, opportunities. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a good life. I'm, I'm humbled and honored to get to do what I do. Sometimes I cannot believe what I get to do. And sometimes I think, why is everybody yelling at me? So it's a, it's a variety of <laughs> Well, I'll just invite you to come to the exotic locale of the West Rain Coast uh, at one point any day. You know, I'd love to host you. Um, but uh, I know that it's not, you know, it's more of a rocky beach than a sandy beach. <laughs> yes, it is. But we need to stay positive. Yeah. Because we are doing the right thing. And we, we it is hard to put your name on a ballot. It is. And it's very hard to put your name on a ballot. Well, because and it's easy for people to, to, to point fingers and, and make uncouth comments about politicians. I consider us civil servants. We don't have to belong to a party. We just do what's right for the community. Mm-hmm. And there are people that, that are on that will want the sidewalk on this side of the road, and there are people that will want it on that side of the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we put it on the right side of the road where the lights are or where, where it makes sense topography-wise. So, you know, that's our that's the things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. And some of the decisions are huge. Yeah. Some of them really are, like, you know, coming through a pandemic. Seriously, who thought we would ever have to make those kinds of decisions? That has taken up a lot of airspace in my community a lot of time a lot of heartburn for my staff oh my goodness they have worked flat out and and it's it's just been incredible yeah well and and with what happened to sir david amos in england uh i feel like there it it does take a lot uh to put your name on a ballot and sort of become the target for people you know become somebody who's like to blame when they're water doesn't work or the sidewalks on the wrong side of the street or whatever right you know and I and I really worry about how you know I I do encourage a lot of people to get involved in politics because mainly because I couldn't imagine my life without it you know like I feel like I want to know how the taxes are being spent I want to know like I want to have an understanding of the levers and I want to know how like things can be improved incrementally and you know but but i guess like you said i have to stay positive i worry about the people who you know who will when i vacate this seat and somebody comes up to it are they going to be safe are they going to be respected are they going to be somebody you know like am i holding up a light where maybe i should be like giving warnings instead right you know like i guess there's something about about how i arjun told me that it's easy to criticize you know, when someone's like in the, um, in, in the, uh, in the battle, you know, like it's easy to be, you know, somebody, a spectator being like, boo, I, that's my, that bum, you know, I don't like that team, you know, but it's, it is quite yeah, a. Sarah, you know, my call after this is going to be with my chief of police. I mean, we have drugs in the community. That's, that's terrifying. Yeah. We have homes where people are, are doing things that, uh, that just boggle my mind. And so. You know, the things we have to deal with really are what affects people's lives every single day. But as a member of council, and if this is the last thing I can leave you with, I believe in the word respect. I may not agree with you as a councillor on everything, but we have to have respectful debate on the issues. We have to respect each other as human beings. I don't have to like you. I don't have to go go and have a, a glass of wine with you or a coffee with you, but I need to work with you. So let's respect each other and get the work done that everyone expects from us because they didn't elect you just to sit around and, and be nasty to each other. They, they expect you to get the, the work done. So we're all elected. 
So we all hold that position. We have to work with our staff, respect the staff. Third parties outside of your municipality, you have to work with them. And all the all three orders of government. It might be a different party than I'm that I'm right. thinking is the right one. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter because that's who's there, that's who I'm gonna work with to get the job done. Yeah. And if you can if you can hold people in respect and put all that other stuff behind you, you're gonna get a lot farther than if you're if you're gonna be one of these just argumentative people that do nothing but put blocks away. Mm-hmm. Throw the blocks away. Let's get a path. Mm. Awesome. I I love that you gave me 15 minutes more than I was allotted. I'm really grateful uh, uh, for really getting through it all. And and just for, you know, like having a path to go, uh, a path to forward follow. I'm, I'm right behind you. I hope to be on the FCM one day. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. We really look forward to seeing you. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of work here with the, with the women at Middlesex County as well. That's something I never brought up, but... Uh, I was the only woman for a long time on county council. Um, now we have almost parity. We have five women. And through through the pandemic, you'd be interested in this, the Middlesex County women got together and formed a caucus with the support of our male colleagues. And we have done webinars to support women in the county, find out where the gaps were, what we need to lobby for, what we need to advocate for. We had um, sociologists and psychologists on the line with us to help people walk through things. We've handed out awards for women that have been outstanding throughout the pandemic to do to be leaders in this community. We have talked to our ministers. We have we've done amazing work together, and I can tell you that was cathartic for us as well. It was absolutely amazing, and we're still working on that and doing things and. And I think it made a difference to the women in our community. We talked to our women leaders that were that are in, in other councils. We talked to eleven um, councillors that were women, just to say, you know, we're here together. What can we do to help each other out? And that's what it's all about. It's beautiful. I, I, it's what it is all about. You know, we all, we all need to be present and accounted for, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Mayor Vander Hayden. Well, it's been a pleasure of mine. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was, um, what are we? Episode season two, the Green Antlers Waterfowl Podcast. And we just were speaking to uh, Mayor Vander Hayden, President Vander Hayden, Joanne of Strathroy Caradoc. And um, thank you so much for everything you do. It's been great.